Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. What I want to talk about is the giant of insecurity. And I know that a lot of us struggle or doubt with insecurities. And this thing about insecurity is that it's usually the most secure looking people that struggle the most with insecurity. Um, you think about like all the bullies at school, right? It was always like, man, they're, they're probably just insecure about themselves. They would talk about these things. And, and, but I know personally I've dealt with insecurity in my life in many levels. And um, this is how I would phrase it. Sometimes I'm too insecure to overcome insecurity. That makes sense. I'm too insecure to overcome insecurities. And so um, before I get into this, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing here. Lord, I pray that you would minister to us, God. I pray that this message would come across so clear and concise, God. Let it be uh, led by your spirit, not my opinions, God. I pray that we learn what you want to tell us, God. Teach us to do whatever it takes to be more like you and to walk in our God-given purpose and destiny. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I talk about this a lot, but I feel like this is probably the most relatable thing when it comes to people. Um, I have a 24-hour gym membership uh, pass, and and I got in, I'm like, I'm going to be committed to the gym, right? And so I go to the gym when I can, right? Like all of us, I go when I can, and which is not a lot. So anyway, but I go when I can, and I like to go. And I, but the thing is, I, I don't like to do new things. And I feel so awkward going to the gym because there's a bunch of things I don't understand, right? I don't get what they're doing over there, right? I don't, I don't understand. I'm going to stick to what I know. So I go and do the same workouts every time I go. And some of you like, Somebody would say, well, that's really unhealthy. You should, <laughs> that's not good for your body. Well, listen, if you want to help me, I'm all, I'm all ears. But anyway, um, I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm hesitant to try it because I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't like it. So, so really, beyond the gym, this is kind of why I don't like to try new things. Anybody can relate with me because I don't like not being good at something. Right? I don't like when I try it, and I know if I do it, I'm not going to be that good and I, so then I don't want to do it. I'd rather just stay away from this. But this is really how, how kind of insecurity gets us sometimes, is that I, I don't know what I'm doing. I really want to, but I won't because I can't. I really want to do these things, but I won't because I can't. I, I can't step out in the things that the Lord is asking me to do. I can't build new relationships and new friendships. I can't, I, can't, I can't really fulfill the life purpose that God has placed over me. I can't step into new ministry. I can't step into a small group. I can't step into these things. I really want to, but I won't because I can't, because I'm insecure. I know I have these issues of insecurity. I know that I have these things in my life that I have to deal with, but I'm too insecure to share them. So therefore, I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm not going to share it with anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm going through. And even beyond just the idea of just specifically insecurity, some of us struggle with things in our life that we won't share because we're insecure. Whether it's anger, whether it's lust, whether it's perversion, whether it's, whether it's um, bitterness or uh, holding a grudge or whatever these things are, we won't share what we're dealing with because we're insecure about who we are. So insecurity is really a giant that we feel too weak to overcome. Insecurity is not the kind of giant that we're like, I'm going to slay this giant. I'm going to take him out. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it. It's not like fear where fear is a little bit more like, yeah, I can overcome my fears. I can do this. I, I don't want to be afraid anymore. Insecurity is more like, well, I, I really can't do it. So I'm not going to. I'm just going to learn to 
cope with this. I'm going to learn to deal with this. I'm going to find a crutch in my life that can help me, you know, maybe not overcome, overcome it, but live with it. And I want you to know that we're not meant to live with insecurities. That's not how God designed us. It's not how we've been created. And so my question was, is really what, what, we're insecure, but what does insecurity cause in our lives? And it really causes a lot of negative things. And, and we're going to get our, 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 kind of our base story from, from uh, King Saul. And it's in, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 through 14. It's kind of a lot of verses, okay? So <clears throat> bear with me as we read, all right? Saul lived for one year and then became king. And when he had reigned for two years over Israel, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and, and the hill country of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent home, every man to his tent. Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard about it, that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines. <clears throat> And also that Israel had become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were called out to join Saul at Gil- Gilgal. And the, and the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. <clears throat> and I, oh, 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of I'm going to skip the names. You guys have them up there. When the men of Israel saw they were in trouble for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. He waited seven days, the appointed time by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So this is the picture of it. Samuel says, I'm going to come to you where you're at. I'm, basically, Samuel was the prophet, and Samuel was the one who would, who would sacrifice to the Lord. That was not Saul's job. Saul was the king. Saul was not authorized, or he was not, he was not the one to offer the sacrifices. That was Samuel's job. But what's happening here is Saul is in a moment of fear with his people because they're, they're looking at the enemy, and the enemy is ready to attack them. And so all the people, it says they're scattering They're afraid, they're trembling, and what they need is they need somebody to come and basically put a sacrifice before them so that they can have their confidence in the Lord. But again, that wasn't Saul's job. So this is what happened. So Saul said to them, bring, oh, excuse me, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. How awkward is that, right? Like, as soon as he started, anyway. Um, and Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now that is a lot of reading and a lot of scripture. But this is the point that I want to make with this. Saul was in a place of insecurity. 
So he ends up doing something that he shouldn't have done because he was afraid of the people that, of people would, that people would leave him. So because he starts seeing that people are going to leave him, what does he do? He compromises to please people. Insecurity, our insecurities in our life will cause us to compromise our convictions in order to, pl- to please others. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. Galatians 1, 10 says, for, I am, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. These insecurities, what happens, because we're insecure with ourselves, we look for affirmation and validation from people that are not even of God. And so we begin to say, well, I know I feel like this is wrong, but if I do this, then maybe they'll like me. If I start talking about people like they talk about people, even though I know it's wrong, even though I know gossip is wrong, maybe they'll begin to like me. If I, if I surrender my convictions when it comes to partying and when it comes to drinking, if I surrender those convictions that I have to these individuals, maybe they'll begin to like me and they'll, they'll, they'll affirm me as an individual because in reality, I'm really insecure about myself. So I'll compromise what I feel is right to please people that are not even from God. This is what insecurity does, is, is, it, is, is it causes compromise in our life. Because we feel like We'll do anything to feel security. We'll do anything to feel that validation. And so we'll do things, we'll say things, we'll go places, we'll hang out with people just to receive that, even if it goes against our convictions. Even, and and let me put it this way, maybe your convictions are not even aligned with the word of God. And so you're like, no, I'm good. (laughs) This is cool with me. I don't feel bad about this. But do you do things? that are contrary to God's word in order for people to like you? Do you talk about people? I, it's, so, it's always so awkward. And thank God it's, it doesn't happen really as much as it used to, I guess. Is, you ever been in a, a circle of people and they start talking about somebody? And you're like, I know that I shouldn't say anything. But I don't want to seem too holy. I don't want to say for them to stop because it's their right to do it. So some of us will, because of that little weird insecure feeling of like, well, I don't want to be left out of this, we'll start saying, well, you know what I heard? You know what I saw? Oh, she said that the other day? She, he did this the other day? And we start joining in on these conversations because we're insecure with ourselves. But when you're secure in, in, in the Lord and you're secure in yourself, you're able to not just ignore it but even stand against it. Stand against those compromises. So, so insecurity, it causes compromise in our life. Also, it causes unnecessary conflicts. Insecurity causes unnecessary conflicts. Here's, here's Samuel and Saul. Saul is now being rebuked by the prophet Samuel, all because he, he acted off of insecurity. Now, I remember when, when I was young, I would, I would really deal with insecurity with a lot of things. But I remember when I was dating my wife, it really, and again, I'm just being vulnerable with you guys if that's okay. If not, then I'm sorry. Don't listen to the podcast, I guess. But I remember I dealt with insecurities. And we were young, and, and I remember just, this thing about insecurity, though, is, is it creates a false reality. Right? It creates a false reality. 
and we respond to others based on our own created scenarios. So like, like, let's just give an example. Let's say, now this is just me, this is nobody here, okay, so don't, this, I know this is just my problem, or it was my problem. But I remember when we were dating, and you guys would be like, man, you sound crazy. I don't even want to say these things, but anyway, the Lord deliver me, God is good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anyway, um, but I remember we, we would, I would deal with these thoughts, right, and so we were dating, it would be like, she wasn't my wife at the time, obviously, but she wouldn't text back, right, and be like, okay, well, she hasn't text back, and be like, well, maybe she's busy, and it's like, well, maybe she's with somebody. Right, like, that, how did it go from busy to with somebody? I don't know, I'm, I, I'm crazy. Lord, help me, he's still helping me. But I remember thinking these thoughts, and I'd be like, well, that's why, then she must have been with him for a long time. Right? And then I start creating, I would create this whole world that didn't even exist. It was like a multiverse, right? Like, it wasn't even real because I was insecure. I had no facts. I had no nothing. I had no evidence. I had nothing to base my thoughts on except my own insecurities. But this happens a lot with us. Well, uh, no, again, this is nobody here. This is just what I experienced back in the day. Man, pastor didn't text me back. He must not like me. They must be talking about me at the church. That's what happened when I missed on Sunday, huh? They all talked about me. That, they didn't put a podcast up because they were talking about me, huh? It's just like, no, we just didn't record it. <laughs> Right? And then we start creating these scenarios. Well, they don't like me. Then maybe I shouldn't go back. And we create the scenario that doesn't exist based on our insecurities. This is the thing is that insecurity gets the best of us and it causes our relationships to get the worst of us. Because now we're entering into a conversation or a relationship not based on facts or not based on the evidence shown of love or that they care about us or that they're there for us. But we go into these conversations and relationships based on our insecurity. So we'll come up and we'll already be upset with somebody. They haven't even seen us. But we'll already be mad at them, upset with them because we created them and they did something to us. Right? Like, you ever have those dreams of, like, somebody doing something to you, and then you wake up mad? How dare you? What are you talking about? I had this dream, and I know you did this, and this is from the Lord. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But we respond to our relationships based off our insecurities, and it creates unnecessary conflicts. I would almost say that a lot of our arguments with people are based off assumptions that we've had because we're insecure. That's uncomfortable. Let's move on. <laughs> Insecurity is a giant that we've got to take down. We've got to overcome this. But what else does it cause? Insecurity causes missed opportunity. Saul had this opportunity to lead the people in obedience. He had the opportunity to be king forever. But then David comes on the scene, right? All because Saul responded out of insecurity. Our insecurities will keep us from moving beyond our weaknesses. Our insecurities will keep us from moving beyond our struggles, beyond our problems. Our insecurities will keep us, just like we talked about last week, we talked about the, the spies that went into Canaan, and what happens is 10 come back, and they're like, man, we can't take this land because this is what happened. They said, because they see us as grasshoppers, and we see ourselves the same way. So they refused to take on opportunity because they were insecure in the way they saw themselves. And so what does this look like for us today? 
This looks like not experiencing the good things that God has for you because you don't feel like you deserve it. Or because you don't feel like you could handle it. Or you don't feel like you're ready for it. Well, I can't get into ministry yet, Pastor Mike, because I'm not really that saved yet. I'm not ready for that. I'm still insecure in who I am. So I can't really, t- I can't really help people. I can't really love people like that because I'm so insecure in the way that I am. In who I am. So we miss these opportunities to walk in the calling of God. To walk in our life purpose because we're insecure. We miss the opportunity to be discipled, to have healthy leadership because we start saying things, well, if they really knew what went on in my life, then they wouldn't want to help me. If they really knew what I said to my wife, if they really knew what I said to my husband, if they really knew how I yelled at my kids, if they really knew how I spent my money, if they really knew where I went when I didn't go to small group on weekends, if they really knew these things about me, they wouldn't want me at their church. So what happens, we miss opportunity for leadership and discipleship because all we're thinking about is our insecurities. Can I tell you this? And, and, and I, my wife is not in here, she's with the kids, but I think she would agree that I've been in church my entire life we're in young adult ministry. We, we really have, there is very little things that can shock us as pastors that you go through. I'm dead serious. You might be thinking, well, you don't know what. No, no, no. I'm telling you. We've gone through, we've gone through and heard of and helped people with some crazy things in their life. So I want to encourage you. If you're letting your weaknesses and insecurities stop you from getting close to people in the church and getting close to us as your pastors, and I want to tell you, don't let those things stop you. Because insecurity will put us in a place where we miss opportunities because we refuse to see beyond our insecurity. Because our first reference when it comes to the things of God is why we shouldn't and why we can't and why we won't. But see, insecurity is not of God. God didn't design us this way. It's, it causes too many negatives in our life. But, but then I begin to think, okay, I know what insecurity causes because I dealt with it. I've been through it. But what causes insecurity? Why am I insecure? What is it in my life that makes me insecure? And I, I, I truly believe that there's probably some, some things in your life that you just need breakthrough in prayer. That's just the truth. And people would be like, well, you, know, you need to go to counseling and you need to go to therapy. And I get all those things. And I got no problem with therapy. I got no problem with counseling. I promise you, I don't. But what I have a problem with is when churches reference people to therapy before they reference them to the Holy Spirit. Because, yeah, you can go to therapy and you can go get help from people. But that help is like a band-aid over a wound that only God can heal. You begin to ask, are you, are you healed or are you distracted? Am I really healed or am I busy? Have I really gotten over this or have I been focusing on other things? Because there's insecurities in our life that can only, that can only be, be overcome and set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that comes at the end of my message. So let's move on before I jump ahead. What causes insecurity? 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. We're using Saul as a reference here. It says, as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistines, or the Philistines, excuse me, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tambourines, with songs, and with musical instruments. I think this is so funny, because they're coming out to meet Saul, <laughs> and then they sing this song. And the woman sang to one another as he celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands 
and David his ten thousands. Like, imagine that being your, your welcome home. Like, that kind of sucks. But anyway. And Saul, Saul, um, Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousand, and to me ascribed only thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? Little did he know that he would. And Saul eyed David from that day on. We see that from this moment, Saul had this hatred towards David. He was jealous of him. He was really, and really what we see is, is we see a highlight into Saul's heart that he was just an insecure individual. So what was Saul's mistake? Saul's mistake when it came to his own insecurity was he compared himself to others. Sometimes our insecurities are caused only because of our comparison to everybody else. Galatians chapter 6 verse 4 through 5 says this. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Take some advice from the Bible. Take some advice from the scriptures. Focus on what God is doing in your life. Look at the things that he's challenging you to do. And do those things. Sometimes we, we become insecure because all we're thinking about is what they have and what God has done in their life. Can I, can I be honest with you? I think I've mentioned this before. There's a church that launched the exact same day that we did. And this is, our church is probably the size of their small groups. Like I'm not exaggerating. So of course, of course, there was insecurity in my heart because I kept looking at what God was doing there. Like, man, they got like 500 people. At least that's what it looks like. For sure there's a lot. God's doing a great thing. I, that church is a good, good church. I'm not talking anything bad about them. It was me. But I would look at them and be like, man, you know, what's going on here? And this was when it was just us and Isaiah. They were like launching, getting ready. And we're like, what's happening but you know when everything changed? Everything changed when I stopped looking at what God was doing everywhere else, and I started looking at what God was doing right here. And I started seeing individuals come into the church. I started seeing people say, man, I want to be a part of this. I'm going to help you. We want to do this with you. Or even like, I don't even like church, but I want to come to this church. Like, that was amazing to me. And I started to look at what God was doing here, and all the comparisons stopped, and I stopped being insecure about where our church was, and I began to be proud of it because I was focused in on what God has called us to do, not on what God has called them to do. Some of us need to do the same thing with our life. I put it this way. Some of us need to just stay in your lane. Just stay in your lane. You're not called to do what everybody's called to do. You're not, and it's okay. I love this, this story. So in John chapter 21, verse 20 through 22, we all know the story of Peter. He denies Christ three times, right? And Jesus, is, he, 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 he resurrects from the dead, and now he's, he's walking the earth. With, with, you know, he's meeting up with his disciples. And he's having breakfast with them on a the beach, and he's restoring Peter. That's when he's like, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. And there's this moment of restoration, right? And then after this, Jesus tells him, he's like, hey, you know what? Actually, you're not really going to like the, the way your life ends. You're going to be handed over to people. You're going to go where you don't want to go. There's going to be things that you don't want to happen that are actually going to happen to you. And check this out. So Peter's response after restoration, after forgiveness, after, what, after Jesus tells him what he's going to do, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. We know him as John. Verse 21, and when, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? 
I love Jesus' response. Jesus said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, Lord, what about this man? That's none of your business. You stay in your lane. What happens to everybody else is none of my business. Now, yes, we help people, and we pray with people, and we love people, and we encourage people, and we're there for people. All that is true. But ultimately, what God does in your life is up to you. Where God takes you is, is up to you where, where you've been called. It's not my business. I need to stay in my lane. Really, it comes down to we shouldn't compete or compare or anything like that with anybody. We should celebrate one another. I'm not going to compete with you. Like, I'm not competing with the church down the street. No. If they get new people, they get saved. We celebrate that. We celebrate that. If you get a better car than I have, I'm happy for you. If you get a better house than I have, I'm happy for you. You have a better job than I do, I'm happy for you. I'm not competing with you. I'm not comparing to you because I'm staying in my lane. This is who God has called me to be. So you've got to be comfortable. You've got to be secure in this idea that God has called you to be who you are. Now, you could have mentors and you could have um, examples and all that, but re the reality is that God has called you to be you. Stay in your lane. Just don't worry about all those other things because what happens is when we compare to other people, we begin to have a lack of our own identity. A lack of our own identity. If all we do is, to, is compare ourselves to others, we lose who we're supposed to be. And this is what happens is lack of identity creates separation from healthy relationships. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 18, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot says, or if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that should not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in one body, each one as he chose. Now listen. Why am I saying this? Because what happens is sometimes we begin to develop insecurity in our purpose because we're not operating in the same way somebody else is. But let me tell you this. If you're an, you're an ear, you're not a hand, right? You can't do what a hand does. The hand can't hear and the ear can't grab. They're two totally different purposes. But they're still a part of one body. Our insecurities really come out when we start to do somebody, we start to see somebody do something better and different than we are. And so we begin to say things like, well, maybe because I'm not like them, I don't belong here. You know, it's like, maybe because I'm not like, you know, Isaiah. Isaiah's so cool. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? Maybe I'm not like Isaiah, so maybe I don't belong in this church. I should go somewhere else. I should go to a church with a bunch of ears just like me. <laughs> no. If you're different, that's good. Don't be insecure in your differences. That's a good thing. 
But we develop insecurity in our purpose when we don't do what somebody else does, but you're not called to do that. And that's okay. So insecurity is, called, is caused by comparison to others. It's caused by a lack of identity. And this is the last one before my next 18 points. Just kidding. Um, focusing on our weaknesses. Insecurity comes when all we're looking at is what we can't do. Because if all we ever see is what we can't do, and all we ever focus on is what I can't do and what I can't accomplish, then we'll never experience what he can accomplish in us. Exodus 4, verse 10 through 13 says, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or sing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall not speak. Don't, I don't know if the next verse is up yet, but don't put it up yet. Sorry. Isn't this amazing how when, when God calls us to do something for him, what's the first thing that we do? Well, I can't because of, I, I can't do what you're asking me to do, Lord, because I don't, I don't really handle my money well. I don't, I don't really, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a people person, right? Like that's like the biggest excuse of Christians. I'm not a people person. I'm not, I just can't. I can't do this, God, because I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good leader. I don't have that personality that, that you're probably looking for in, in an individual for, for your glory. Like, that's not me. And then God always responds. He's like, listen, I got it under control. Like, I'm with you. I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. I'm calling you. So if I'm calling you, that means I'm going to equip you, and I'm going to take care of it. I got this, right? And then it's like, man, that's a great word from God. And then our response is, all, all, is really similar to Moses. He says, oh, my Lord, please send somebody else. We look at our insecurities, and when God is calling us, all we see is our weaknesses. All we see is why we can't or why we shouldn't. And so our response to God is, Lord, I just want to come here and sit in this chair. Hopefully one day they get the comfy chairs, but for now I'm good with these. I just want to come to church. I want to be here at exactly 11 o'clock. I want to leave right when the altar call's done. I don't want anything extra because that's not me. I'm not ready. Please ask somebody else. But this thing about our church is our church is way too small for you to hide. That's just, that you can't hide. You can sneak out, but you better not come back because we'll get you next time. No, you better come back because we love having you. I'm like, why would you say that? That would be a wor the worst edit ever or a quote. Don't come back. <laughs> like, but you can't hide here. And I push, what I push is not, I don't push like, okay, if you want to know God, you got to know the pastor, you know, let me pray with you, because that's ridiculous. You have every avenue and every open door in your own life to know God deeply and to walk with him closely. You have all of that. You have the same access to the Holy Spirit that I do. You have the same access to the throne room of, of God as I do. You have that in your own life. So when you tell me, well, I can't do it because of my insecurity. All I see is my weakness. You know what I would tell you? Stop looking at your own weaknesses and begin to look at what God has already done. Some of you are like, man, I can't believe I've been in church this long. Like, I'm actually committed to a church. I, I get it. Like, for some of us, that's crazy. But if you can do that, you can do more. 
You could do more. You could do greater things. You can, God has called you. Don't let your insecurities hold you back from your divine purpose from God. Because all the devil will do, all he does, when we, when, we're, when we feel called, when God is speaking to us, and when we're in a church service, and, it's like, and this guy's screaming like, God is going to use your life. All we do is what we think about why he shouldn't. We think about why he can't. It's like, I want to, but I won't because I can't. But I want to tell you that you can. So intimacy, or intimacy is, is the covering of insecurity. So what causes it? We talked about what causes insecurity. What does insecurity cause? We saw all those things, but what is the covering? What is the healing? Where do I get freedom from insecurity? Our freedom of insecurity comes in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. David, if you want to come up now, you can. possible could I please get another cup we got to get bigger cups here (laughs) intimacy covers insecurity I I'm I'm not amazed I'm, I'm almost frustrated like I get frustrated with Christians are like man I've been struggling with this forever I've dealt with this forever thank you and then I'll say, well, how often do you pray? Like, how often are you in, the mo- in a moment with Christ, with Jesus, in your daily life, by yourself? How often does it happen? Well, I don't know, like, like I pray on my way to work. It's like, no, that's good. Don't, don't stop doing that. But how often are you intimate with the Holy Spirit? Like, where he's, he's speaking to you and he's showing things in your life that, that you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know it was there. And he's strength. How often does it happen? Because it's an intimacy. That's where we receive the power to overcome our weaknesses. I struggled with things my whole life. Things that I didn't like about myself. Things that I thought about myself that I, that I, I believed. I struggled with all this for a very, very, very long time. It wasn't until I began to get on my knees every day and spend time with the Lord. Now, was it awkward at first? Kind of, because I didn't really know what to say. Like, oh, God. Um. And then I started thinking about, I don't know, Chick-fil-A or something. I don't know. And I got to, like, bring it back, right? But that's when I began to receive power to overcome my weaknesses. In the moments with God, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, so, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon him, or rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships, with persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
See, a lot of us want to erase our weaknesses. A lot of us say, I wish I never had this or I wish this wasn't a part of me. God, why did you give this to me? And sometimes God doesn't want to take it away from you. What he wants to do is show that his power is made perfect in that weakness. What do you mean? What do I mean by that? What I mean is this, is that there's things in your life that you're like, I'll never overcome this. I'll never get through this. But then when you get the power of God in your life, you begin to see, oh my gosh, I'm not struggling anymore. I don't deal with this anymore. It's not the same anymore. Why? Because it was the power that was made perfect in that weakness. The truth is this, and this is crazy, is your weaknesses, your faults, your foolishness, your mistakes, that's the reason God called you. That's the reason God called you. You're like, wait a minute, that didn't make no sense. I don't believe that God calls perfect people because I for sure wouldn't be here. But it's the weaknesses. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This is such a, a, like, a beautiful, beautiful truth. Is that in your weakness, in your insecurities, in your failings and your mistakes, God chose you. So I'm choosing you. Everybody, if you look in the Old Testament, even the New Testament, all these people were like, you've got to find somebody else. There's got to be somebody better than me. Like in church, I hate that we can do that so easily. We could just look around and be like, well, that guy, he's probably talking to that guy. He's talking, talking to that person. He's not talking to me. No. God has called you. You. Because of what you feel weakest about. Because of your insecurity. Because of all the reasons why you shouldn't be called. That's why he called you. Because it comes down to this. And I say this all the time. If God can use me, he can use anybody. And I mean that. You don't know what I know about myself. Thank God. <laughs> but if God can use me, he can use anybody. I can't wait for the next five, ten years of this church when some of you guys go start your own church. And you're like, I never thought I could do this. And I'm going to be like, yeah, you know why? Because if he could use me, he could use anybody. And you'll be with people one day. Even if it's not a church, maybe you start a Bible study. And you'll be with people in your house after you've overcome all your insecurity. And you'll sit at your table with them. And you'll tell them, hey, if God can use me, he can use you. With your family, with your friends. It becomes this multiplication effect where God gives us the power to overcome insecurity when, when we have an intimate relationship with his Holy Spirit.
Let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.